Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us on AM 1420. The answer on this Tuesday morning, the 22nd morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. And a packed show is what we have in front of us. If I sound a little bit muted, a little bit under, a little bit uh, lower key than normal, my apologies. Just obviously, if you listen to uh, Rob Walgate sitting in for me yesterday, you know that I am a little bit under the weather. Uh, but I could not take another day as wonderful of a job as rob did and i thank him once again for sitting in for me rob Walgate with the uh, uh, ohio roundtable and the public square uh broadcast network uh wonderful wonderful guy great guy to have in my corner on the bench when i need somebody to sit in for me thank you rob Walgate. he did that by the way on short short notice i uh i got up yesterday hoping to do the show and just absolutely could not go 10 seconds without coughing and other problems and i called rob very late in the process and he made it up to the studio and was able to do a great show yesterday so thank you rob walgate for that on yesterday's program but that will explain a little bit about my voice and the way perhaps the way i conduct the show i i am believe me i'm still filled with vigor and energy over what i want to say i just might not be able to express it in the uh, normal uh, manner that i would uh, because of that. So we do have a packed show today coming up, uh, in about a half an hour. Representative Matt Shea is going to be joining us at 1010 Peter Kersenow on a Kersenow Tuesday. And that's a great thing. He wants to talk Russian assets, the pillow fight between Hillary Clinton and uh, Tulsi Gabbard. We're going to talk about that with Peter. We're also going to talk, uh, with Pete about African-Americans and how they may tip the vote. The new front runner in the Democratic Party, Elizabeth Warren, has a problem with African-American voters, or maybe better said, African-American voters have a problem with Elizabeth Warren. Peter Kersenow has crunched some numbers and has some facts to present to us in the same way that he did in the National Review article on this very subject. So we'll share that article with you on uh, social media. Follow me there. 
at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. That's on Twitter or Facebook or Parler, and I will uh, make sure to tweet that out for Pete from NRO, and then we'll discuss that. Then at 1035, uh, for the second time in about a month, we get a conversation with Bill O'Reilly. Uh, with apologies to Stern, Bill O'Reilly at one point I think was king of all media between the uh, best-rated cable talk show in, I think, cable news history, to the uh, 17 million books he has in print due to his best-selling Killing series. And he's got a new book out that I'm holding in my hand called The United States of Trump, How the President Really Sees America. So Bill O'Reilly back with us to discuss the state of the presidency, to discuss President Trump and the impeachment inquiry, and probably a little bit about what he had to say last night in his exclusive sit-down with Sean Hannity. And that's how I want to start the program today. The president went on a in a variety of directions yesterday, a wide-ranging, broad interview with Sean Hannity from the uh, Rose Garden at the White House to talk about everything from his phone call to the Ukrainian president to the uh, impeachment inquiry, Adam Schiff and the disingenuous Democrats uh, refusing to hold an actual impeachment inquiry in which both sides may inquire. There's that word. It seems uh, kind of odd. They don't pay any attention to that. Uh, you know, an inquiry is a question, right, or a questionnaire. Uh, and and we're, we're asking questions to try to find out what happened about something. That's what an inquiry is. But since they refuse to hold a vote to actually start an official inquiry, what they are doing is essentially a takedown. It's a, it's a, it's a hit. It's a political hit. They are having all of these secret meetings in the basement of the U.S. Capitol, uh, away from the prying eyes of media and, I don't know, eh, voters, including President Trump's voters, over 60 million of them, who are going to have their votes invalidated if they take this president and remove him from office, and they're doing it in an unprecedented fashion. It is simply unconscionable that they could possibly try to remove a sitting president without doing it publicly, without letting us hear all of the questions and answers of the witnesses giving depositions, and without allowing the Republican Party, the minority party in the House, to have, and the president's team, to have an opportunity to call their own witnesses and to present their own evidence which may contradict that which is being gleaned from the uh, basement proceedings that are going on right now. So it's not an official impeachment inquiry. To inquire is to ask. They are not asking. They are simply uh, uh, carrying out a hit. They are perpetrating uh, a hit against President Trump. And I use that. It sounds like an assassination, you know, when I say a hit, you know, or a mob hit. Politically speaking, it is. It is a political assassination, if not a physical one, that they are carrying out against the president. That's not an inquiry or an inquiry, if you will. That is a simple hit. So anyway, the president yesterday was speaking on a lot of this. And one of the things that he talked to Sean Hannity about, strangely, was his former opponent, Hillary Clinton. And one of his could-be opponents over on the primary side, Tulsi Gabbard. Now, we know what happened with this story. For some strange reason, Hillary Clinton has decided to make herself relevant in the 2020 race. She's not in it, but she wants to be a part of it. 
And one of the things that she did was she declared that Tulsi Gabbard, who is viewed by some as the most moderate of the cesspool of Democratic candidates for the nomination, um, that Tulsi Gabbard is, is a Russian asset. I don't think she's capable of doing anything more than lying and screaming Russia, Russia, Russia. She screamed it at Donald Trump, and now she's screaming it about uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Here's what the president this said. This was all a phony scam. And then you have Hillary Clinton saying two days ago, Chelsea, Tulsi Gabbard is a Russian asset, and that Jill Stein is a Russian agent. And I said, wait a minute. It took me two and a half years. I wish you would have said that earlier because people would have realized she's crazy. She's crazy. But two and a half years, Sean, we went through this and it started before the election. And President Obama in September was told about Russian influence and he didn't want to do anything about it. He didn't want to do a thing about it because he assumed Hillary was going to win. Spot on. Not one word of that can be disputed. Every single word of that is accurate. Hillary Clinton is crazy. And yes, it did start before the election. The allegations of Russian interference, uh, a lot of that information was presented to uh, the Obama White House, and he wanted to do nothing. Why? Because he did not want to discredit the election in any way, because he assumed, as did most Americans, that Hillary Clinton would have it in the bag. Why would I want to upset the apple cart? Hillary's going to win, so I'm not going to question the legitimacy of the election by engaging in foreign uh, meddling or interference conspiracy theories. That was Obama's point of view. That was the way he handled this. Then the unthinkable happens, and President Trump wins in places where Republicans are not supposed to win, in places like Michigan in places like uh, Minnesota, in pla- or, excuse me, Wisconsin, rather, uh, places like uh, Pennsylvania, the proverbial blue wall, and suddenly it's, well, now we have to question the legitimacy of the election. Otherwise, Donald Trump just beat us. Otherwise, Donald Trump just wiped out my legacy as president because he's going to undo all of my policies. And that's when, of course, you know, the insurance plan started to kick in that Strzok and Page talked about with the approval and the knowledge of, of McCabe and Comey, who report direct reports directly to Lynch, who reports directly to the president. We don't need to go back through all of this again. It's already been established. We know this already. So why does it matter now? Well, it matters now because, once again, Russia, Russia, Russia is being shouted by Hillary about, uh, about Tulsi Gabbard, And the president is saying, you know, it's not just Russia, Russia, Russia. If you really want to get into this, we need to look at the role of the corrupt government of Ukraine at the time. How much of a role did they play in this? And that's one of the questions he was asking President Zelensky on the now infamous phone call. You hear about Ukraine, and you've been hearing about it. I heard Clinton was involved. I heard they got somebody who wrote the fake dossier. Was it out out of Ukraine? All of the things that happened... And I assume that the attorney general, I would like the attorney general to find out what's going on. Because you know what? We're investigating corruption. So would I. I would like to know what the attorney general finds out about this. I would also like to know what federal prosecutor John Durham finds out about this. He, of course, is conducting his own investigation into this. And I hope we find out before it is too late 
before they actually move in an official capacity toward impeachment, rather than this ridiculous kangaroo court, which really has no uh, has no um, uh, legal legal um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm struggling for it. Has no legal bearing, I guess, uh, on trying to remove the president because they have not yet held a vote. And until they do, the rest of this is just political theater, uh, or maybe a little bit more appropriately, as I described before, a political assassination of the president. Not a physical one, but a political one. All right, so the president went off on about a number of things yesterday. We're going to give you a little bit more of that. We have a lot of other news to get into as well, including a question about Tulsi Gabbard. Since the president went there yesterday and gave attention to this beautiful song here, Thank you, Derek. Beautiful song here. Very appropriate. But we are going to talk about Tulsi Gabbard. Is she the moderate that everybody claims that she is? Could you live with her if she won the nomination for the Democrats? Could you live with her if she beat President Trump? Some Republicans are saying, yes, I could. She's moderate. She's not an extremist. She's not Warren or Sanders. My question to you is, are you sure? Are you sure? We'll talk about that as we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. There's a chance of resurrecting a love. I'm not above going back to the start to find out where the heartache began. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this Tulsi Gabbard situation. I was more interested in it this morning than I have been over the last few days because I chatted with Peter Kirsten out today and said, Hey, Pete, uh, let's uh, let's get into the impeachment inquiry. Let's talk about the latest testimony. And he said, I want to talk about the uh, Russian asset. I said, You mean Tulsi Gabbard? And he said, Yep. And I said, All right, I'm in. And I think there's some really great research that's been done here. Just a reminder, I guess. That doesn't take a lot of research. You just have to read. Uh, Larry Elder uh, tweeted this, and I thought this is about as comprehensive of a, of a list of Tulsi Gabbard's moderacy, I think, that you can find. So if you're, if, and, and look, I'm going to, I'm going to say something here that might be an unpopular opinion. This might be a little bit controversial, in fact. If you are fearful, that President Trump could lose the election. Now, my personal opinion is that he cannot and will not, and that's why the Democrats are freaking out. That's why Al Green from Texas, which the president reminded Hannity last night, Congressman Al Green said uh, a while back, we have to impeach this guy or he's going to win again. In other words, we have to remove the choice from the American people that they may make to reelect him. We, we can't let the people make this call because they're going to choose the wrong thing to pick him. So we have to impeach him and take it out of their hands. That's what the Democrats believe. I don't think the president is going to lose. But there are some Republicans that I have talked to personally who have inquired as to, you know, and I guess it's only natural to say, well, what if? What if Donald Trump doesn't win the election? What then? And the answer, of course, is, well, that depends on who he loses it to. If he loses it to Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or Pete Buttigieg or Robert Francis O'Rourke or even Joe Biden, I think we know where these people stand. Your rights are gone. We might as well raise the flag of China 
communist China over the Capitol the way they raised it in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And if you didn't know that, by the way, I will share that story with you in just a bit. They raised the Chinese flag in celebration of diversity. Kid you not. Communist. In Philadelphia, by the way, where the declaration was signed. Um, That's what we might as well do. So some are saying, well, if we have to lose, I would prefer it to be to someone like Tulsi Gabbard. I could live with Tulsi if, if I have to. I lived with Barack Obama. We survived it, although we're still in very, very dire straits because of him. But I, I, you know, we survived it. And Tulsi Gabbard would be a little bit easier to take than some of the others that I just mentioned. Tulsi Gabbard is at least a moderate Democrat. Well, here's moderate Tulsi. Just a little reminder for you. And thanks again to Larry for, for just, you know, doing the research and reminding us of, of all of these things that she has come out in support of. Moderate Tulsi Gabbard supports Medicare for All. Medicare for All, by its very uh, definition, will require enormous tax increases on all Americans, including the middle class. And it will require an end to private health care. So your private health insurance plan that you have right now, that you may be very happy with, that you have through your employer, will be gone. You will be forced into the public system in Medicare for All in which everybody would be taken care of by the government plan. And the government then would be in control of the decision-making about your health care. Just understand that. They'll call it free, but they will, of course, it will, of course, not be free because your taxes will go through the roof. And then you will have to wait six to eight months to see a doctor for something simple that you can go see see him for right now because your insurance takes care of it. She is for Medicare for All. More of on moderate Tulsi. Moderate Tulsi is for reparations for African Americans. She wants to take more of your tax dollars from your paychecks and turn around and give them to your neighbor because you're white and your neighbor is black. That's right. You didn't, you didn't enslave anyone, and your neighbor, who, who is black, was never enslaved, but yet you owe him some of your money because reparations. Moderate Tulsi is for free college for everybody, just like Crazy Bernie, and student loan debt forgiveness, just like Crazy Liz. Moderate Tulsi is for a $15 guaranteed federal minimum wage which will destroy businesses. Moderate Tulsi is for an end to the Electoral College. She doesn't believe that the Electoral College should be how we choose the president. She thinks it should be a popular vote, thereby wiping out the vote of millions of Americans in flyover states who are not nearly as populated as the, uh, as the coasts are. Moderate Tulsi believes in an end to fracking, and she is calling for 100% energy from renewable Moderate Tulsi has an F rating with the NRA. Moderate Tulsi has a 100% approval rating from Planned Parenthood. (laughs) Moderate Tulsi is against the uh, border wall. Moderate Tulsi is for a universal basic income. Everybody must have a certain amount of money, and if they can't earn it on their own, the government will provide it. And Moderate Tulsi supported Socialist Bernie in the last presidential election cycle in 2016. Now I ask you, do you still think you can live with Tulsi Gabbard if President Trump doesn't win? No. 
There is no one to root for in this Hillary Clinton versus Tulsi Gabbard pillow fight. Nobody. Because Hillary Clinton is the devil incarnate as far as I'm concerned, and Tulsi Gabbard is aspiring to be such. It is 9.30. We'll get news now. Representative Matt Shea joins us next right here on 1420 The Answer. 76 Empire. All right, it is 9.34 now. The Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420. The answer, I told you we had a packed show today, and I meant it. I want to welcome to the program now Matt Shea, who is a state representative in Washington up in the great Northwest, considered by many to be the most outstanding single legislator in the Northwest, and he's bringing his outstanding credentials to Ohio, to Northeast Ohio, more specifically to the Holiday Inn on Rockside Road tonight for an event, The Real Threats We Face from the Front Line, brought to you by the coalition of, uh, by a coalition of liberty groups here in Northeast Ohio. Representative Shea, good to have you on the program here. How are you, sir? Hey, doing terrific. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I know you're on a tight schedule. You're just about to get on the, uh, the Big Bird. Is that the one that's bringing you here to Cleveland? It is. <laughs> All right. Well, we're looking forward to having you here tonight, and uh, we'll tell everybody how they can be a part of this event tonight in just a moment. But uh, let's talk about the nature of the quote-unquote threats, the real threats we face. A lot of people are probably wondering, why is a Washington state legislator coming to Ohio to speak on such broad topics uh, on, on, a, on a national or even an international scale? What can you tell us about your talk? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things I think that are very important. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been wondering, you know, what, what is the deep state? What does that really actually mean? And I refer to it as the counter states based on a memorandum from Rich Higgins, who was on the uh, National Security Council. It's a memorandum he wrote to President Donald Trump. And so what I really believe is that once people understand what we're facing here in the United States of America, that they know exactly what to do about it as well, uh, that Americans will do the right thing. And that's why I've been traveling around the country uh, spreading this message. I spent 10 years in the United States Army and the better part of my adult life studying uh, Marxism and Islamism and those doctrines. And those are really the counterstates that we face here in America. And that is an intentional term to say that these counterstates seek to replace our existing constitutional republic with something very, very different and quite candidly, very horrific. We talk from time to time with uh, other experts on this matter, particularly the uh, the unholy alliance or marriage between communism. And you, you said Marxism. Of course, these are, are very closely uh, akin to one another. And Islamism. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of the red-green axis, as it's sometimes referred to. And the question that I, I have that I'd like you to kind of speak more on is, how realistic is the threat? You're calling it the threat we face. But I think most Americans would, would, would think to themselves, ah, this is just, uh, you know, conspiracy theory type stuff. We're never going to lose our government to to Marxists or communists or to Islamists. But yet there are individuals in government right now and many more who are being groomed for it who would try to bring about exactly that. Well, just look at the squad. I mean, this is the, the probably the most visible example of Islamists and Marxists working together on the same stage in a united front. And they're using something called the Maoist insurgency model. I'll describe what that is later uh, uh, this evening. And in addition to that, you have the Democrat Socialists of America, which have very specifically said that they have over 100 members of the United States Congress that are either members or sympathizers to their cause, and 25 members of the U.S. Senate. That's, those are very close numbers to be able to elect leadership in the House of Representatives and the United States Senate. That's how close this is. And people say, well, you know, the armed portion of these Marxist and Islamist organizations is very small. 
Well, most people have heard of Antifa, but very few have heard that Antifa's recruiting is going up dramatically, and they have not heard of organizations like the Socialist Rifle Association, Redneck Revolt, or the John Brown Gun Club, which have already engaged in violence here on American soil. And I would also remind listeners, too, that it only took a train car load of Marxists uh, to change the world in the former Soviet Union. Um, I, I want to go back to what you said a moment ago about Ma- Maoist organizations. I mean, do, did I hear that correctly? As in Mao Zedong, as in one of the worst mass killers in the history, in the, in the recorded annals of history. That's who uh, uh, is being rallied around here by some of these young um, uh, uh, young groups. It is, and specifically the strategy they're using is according to a Maoist insurgency model um, that has five specific points, at least according to Thomas A. Marx, who did a, uh, a pretty good analysis of it. So, yes, they are rallying around one of the greatest mass murderers in history, in addition to Vladimir uh, Lenin and many other uh, very famous Marxists who are also very famous mass murderers. And this is actually happening here in America. We're seeing it happen in Washington State. And just as a little bit of a teaser, uh, there is a statue of Vladimir Lenin in downtown Seattle, just to give kind of the audience the fact that this is real. It's here in America. These folks are very intentional. They're working a plan. And it's a trajectory over time. So to a lot of folks, it seems almost imperceptible. But if you look at it, and I'm going to be showing a lot of primary source documents and videos, it becomes very clear what their intentions are in America. We are talking with Washington State Representative Matt Shea, who is being brought to town by a coalition of liberty groups in Northeast Ohio for an event tonight uh, at 7 p.m. Excuse me, the doors open at 6 at the Holiday Inn on Rockside in Independence. Um, Matt, uh, they, you know, you talk about a statue of Lenin being in Seattle. They're, they also raised earlier this month the Chinese flag over the state capitol in, uh, or, um, excuse me, over, uh, the, well, I guess, it, no, it wasn't the state capitol because it wasn't in Harrisburg. It was in, uh, Philadelphia, but they raised it, uh, outside the, uh, city hall, I guess, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They claimed it was simply a celebration of diversity. This is going on at a time when, uh, people of Hong Kong are, are literally giving up their lives in a, in a, cry for help and a and a fight for freedom against the uh concentration camp uh, uh enslavement uh type of mentality that is uh that is continuing to be, you know run the uh, the uh, communist nation of china uh how concerned should we be about those things on local levels this embracement of communism or this embracing rather of communist communist principles marxist principles and of course we always talk about the islamist principles well, I'm going to show maps uh, that that uh, very clearly depict where these organizations are located throughout the United States, and to a lot of people, it's very shocking. Not only the the violent arms of these Marxist and Islamist organizations, but also uh, the nonviolent or the political arms. And there is coordinated uh, nonviolent and violent action here going on in the United States. You see the mainstream media covering up uh, or apologizing for some of this violence, particularly in regards to Antifa. Um, uh, Matt Shea is our guest. He is representative uh, of uh, Washington, state representative in Washington. You mentioned the deep state at the beginning, and you, you actually refer to it as what? What, what, what state? The counter state. Counter state. Uh, because they are seeking to replace our republic. 
There's a left-wing journalist named Matt Tybee, if I'm saying his name correctly, uh, earlier this month actually wrote an article admitting that the president is right, this is not a conspiracy theory that he is uh, touting, that there is a deep state that is working actively to remove him, and they are in a state of a permanent coup. It is a permanent coup d'etat that they are engaging in. Now, this is this is pretty alarming to me. Uh, now, he also goes on to say that he supports it. He loves it because he thinks Donald Trump is terrible, he's evil, he's orange man bad. But he is at least admitting that there is a deep state. So if that is the, the, the reality of the situation, how can honest American patriots, besides, quote, calling your congressman, which is what we are, are always told, what can we do to fight and defend our president against this illegal attempt to remove him from power? Well, we are, we're going to be talking about what those solutions are tonight. Uh, but one of the things that I would just say very clearly is that everybody needs to be involved in this fight. And we need to become the media through social media, through radio programs like this, to get the word out and especially have those hard conversations over Thanksgiving dinner uh, and prove it with primary source documents so that uh, once people have the truth, that they do the right thing. I think the education is uh, the thing that we must stand on first and foremost. Matt, you are a uh, representative Shea. Sorry for the informality. You are a no, uh, courageous guy. You're a courageous guy because you are being targeted. You, I mean, you you are one of the first enemies, uh, you know, on, uh, on the enemies list of the left. They are coming for you. They are trying to take you down. They are trying to attack you personally. Why do you go so far outside your Washington state lane there and go around the country giving these uh, uh, speeches and spreading this message? Well, very simply, it's because I've traveled around the world. I've been uh, in two combat zones as a uh, as a, an army officer in the cavalry and the infantry. I've seen what political violence looks like outside the United States of America. We do not want to see that happen here. I've seen the results of socialism and Marxism outside the United States of America. We don't want to see that happen here. This country and our Judeo-Christian foundations are, are very much worth fighting for. And so I will go to the ends of the earth to defend this country and to defend Christendom. Well, you've taken physical fire enough times in defense of this country, so you're probably uh, ready for personal fire and for political fire. Uh, and again, we thank you so much for doing that. Uh, I'll let you get on the plane now. We'll welcome you to Northeast Ohio tonight. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Yep, God bless you. Look forward to seeing you tonight. Thank you, Representative Shea. That's uh, Representative Matt Shea. He will be at the Holiday Inn on Rockside Road tonight. Doors open at 6, program is at 7. Pre-registration is encouraged. Um, but you can show up and pay $10 at the door to hear the uh, presentation from Representative Shea. Uh, it looks like the best place to do this, and if you can help me out with this, Marcy, maybe I'll correct this on the flip side. Yeah, no, you can pre-register by phone. I do see it on the flyer. Write this phone number down if you have a chance. 419-239-4283. If you would like to hear Representative Shea discuss the threat of the deep state, the threat of the uh, Marxist-slash-Islamist alliance that continues to endanger this country. Uh, 419-239-4283 to pre-register. And you can also, again, pay $10 just at the door. But uh, this would be a very informative talk, I think, to hear uh, from Representative Matt Shea tonight in uh, tonight in Independence. All right, we'll get a timeout right now. We'll have a segment coming up where we can take your phone calls before our next guest, Peter Kersenow, at the top of the hour. Join us at 216-901-0945 or 888 on AM fourteen twenty. The answer.
sounds so odd here. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a connection issue or not, but uh, I'm going to hope we're okay. But I don't hear myself. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks uh, very much for being with us. Thanks also to Representative Matt Shea. I told you we, Shea, rather. I told you we are guest heavy today uh, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Matt Shea, followed by Peter Kersena, who will be joining us at uh, the top of the hour. He is uh, always our regular uh, Tuesday guest. Who is not a regular Tuesday guest is Bill O'Reilly, however. And he will be with us coming up at 1035 to talk about his new book, The United States of Trump. And the president last night was in rare form, as he discussed with Sean Hannity, um, a variety of things, including the Tulsi Gabbard-Hillary Clinton feud. And uh, he talked about Adam Schiff, Shifty Schiff, as he is known. And I want to focus on that for a moment here, because I am simply just disgusted by the fact that the Democrats in the House are so incredibly disingenuous, they can't even admit and acknowledge when one of them has done wrong. Adam Schiff, as you know, read a false statement into the record in a House uh, committee meeting or committee hearing in which he purported to be reading from the transcript of the phone call between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. And then he read his own fictional version of that. He made it sound as though this is what the phone call said, intentionally to deceive listeners and, quite frankly, American citizens and American voters, anybody who might hear that. He was busted for it. He was called on it by a lot of people, including some in the traditionally Democrat water-carrying left-wing media. One would think that we can all agree on some things, not many things, but some things. Republicans and Democrats can agree that's out of bounds, that's illegal, and that is worthy of being rebuked, that is worthy of censure. We should all be able to agree with that. But no. Democrats yesterday defeated a resolution to censure House Intelligence Committee Chairman Representative Adam Schiff on a partisan vote of 218 to 185. Every Democrat voted to table the measure, and all Republicans voted against tabling it. Schiff is a liar. He is a just, a, just a, an unrepentant, reprehensible liar. He later claimed, well, I was just doing a parody of what the phone call was. Why would you need to do a parody? Read the transcript that was, in an unprecedented fashion, made available for public view and public uh, contemplation to decide for themselves what it said. Read that to the American people in front of your committee. And instead, he comes up with his own skit. His own, it's, like he, it's like he was doing a Saturday Night Live sketch version. Of, uh, of what the actual transcript was. And Democrats can't even bring themselves to say, we still want to impeach Donald Trump. But Representative Schiff was out of line there. We do censure him for that. That was not, that is not permissible. That is something that we do not support. But they do support it. They do support it. They support lying, cheating, and stealing to remove a political opponent, especially the most powerful political opponent they've ever encountered. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy criticized Schiff in a statement after the vote, saying, quote, Each member of Congress must uphold a high standard of honesty and integrity. When it comes to matters of our national security, that responsibility is even greater. Chairman Schiff has fallen short in his duty. 
from claiming he had evidence of Russian collusion with the Trump campaign to covering up his committee's relationship with the whistleblower, he has demonstrated a pattern of lying to the American people on matters of intelligence, end quote. And all of that is true. All of that is, is easily verifiable. That is what Adam Schiff did. And, and the left can't even say, look, we don't support that sort of thing. We still want to remove Trump. We still think he's orange man bad. But no, we don't support this type of behavior by the Intelligence Committee chair. This is how bad it has gotten. Friends, you know, I, I talked with uh, Matt Shea a moment ago about the permanent coup. It's, it's a state, essentially, of, of, of a permanent coup d'etat the, the left is engaged in. Um, it started not when President Trump was elected, not when President Trump was inaugurated, but before President Trump was elected, when it became clear that he could be a threat to everything that they hold dear. In other words, when he won the Republican nomination. That's when the plans were set in motion to use and do everything that we can to stop him from achieving his goal of undoing Barack Obama's legacy and of reestablishing the Constitution as being the the uh, model, the directive that we follow for all future decisions in this country. And that's all Donald Trump has tried to do. That is all. Now, he is not a perfect man. He has fallen in certain areas, fallen short. He has made mistakes. He has said some things I wish he hadn't said. He has made some decisions I don't agree with. But I don't think there's anything that he has done that rises to the level of the type of dishonesty and the repugnant dismissal of the will of the American people that the Democratic left have shown. It's not even close. I mentioned with, uh, talked to, to Matt Shea about, and by the way, let me go back to the shift thing for a second. I just want to do whataboutism for a moment. I know nobody likes whataboutism, but I'm going to do it anyway. What if it was Representative Jim Jordan, who is the ranking member of the Judiciary Committee? What if it was Representative Jim Jordan, who uh, read a false statement into the record, attributing a bunch of really bad things to a Republican leader, maybe to Speaker Pelosi, or maybe to former President Barack Obama, or whatever, if a Republican like Jim Jordan or Mark Meadows or Doug Collins or somebody else who's one of the, you know, the, the, the real thorns in the side of the Democrat attempt to impeach President Trump, what if one of them had read a false statement into the record under the, and, then, and then excused it with saying, ah, oh, it was just a parody of what they actually said? They, wouldn't, they, they would, there would be impeachment proceedings against that. Republican right now, not just censorship. They wouldn't just censure him and have a vote, which they tabled for Schiff. They would be calling for his removal from Congress. Do you doubt this at all? I mean, just look and listen to what Democrats have done and gotten away with and compare that to what Republicans have not done, but who have been attacked even more. I'll give you another example, the whole Hunter Biden and then you know Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump thing. Do you think if Eric Trump had sat on a board with a foreign comp- a foreign country, uh, with an oligarch from a foreign country, and a corrupt government, and then you know, and I guess I can't really make the exact same comparison because what makes this even worse with Biden is that Joe Biden, as vice president, was Barack Obama's point man uh, in Ukraine. He was running the diplomatic relations between the United States and Ukraine. He admitted as much. He was the one who was setting and establishing policy between the United States and Ukraine. And then his kid gets on the board at $600,000 a year. Can you imagine if that situation had played out with a Trump? Yes, it's whataboutism, but yes, it's true. It's real. 
I mean, they, they would burn the, 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 the country. The nation would burn over this if they didn't have an immediate impeachment and if they didn't have an immediate, immediate investigation and put people behind bars. The left loves this line. They continue to love saying that no one is above the law, including the President of the United States. And yet, they continue to hold themselves above the law. Whether it's Adam Schiff, whether it's Hillary Clinton, James Comey, Loretta Lynch, Andy McCabe, Peter Strzok, none of those people are in jail, and they ought to be because they broke laws. Nobody's above the law, they say, except them. Well, them and illegal aliens. Illegal aliens are above the law because it's against the law to come to the United States without permission, without documentation that you're here as a student or as a guest worker or as a vacationer and that you are returning when your visa expires. It's against the law to do that. It's against the law to jump the border. It's against the law to come here with phony claims of asylum so that you can disappear into our country, into our, into our, uh, into the ether, if you will, so that you can't be found again and sent back to your country. Those things are against the law. And guess what Democrats say? Sanctuary! Sanctuary cities, sanctuary counties, sanctuary states. We're defending those people. But wait a minute. I thought you said no one is above the law. Well, that's when we're talking about orange man bad. When we're talking about us, and when we're talking about future voters, like illegal aliens, future Democrat voters, they are indeed above the law. All right, we're going to talk more about the impeachment scam. We're also going to talk about the pillow fight between Hillary Clinton and Tulsi Gabbard, and whether Tulsi Gabbard deserves your respect if suddenly you, you are suddenly you are in Camp Tulsi as maybe uh, the only decent Democratic alternative if we can't have President Trump for another term. going to talk to Peter Kersenow about exactly why that's a terrible idea. Kersenow next. Uh, Bill O'Reilly coming up at the bottom of the next hour as well, so make sure you stick, stick around for the second hour.